Well, how cool that we have the prophecy candle going. And if you'll turn around and look at the back of the church, that's a representation of the Holy Spirit being among his people coming down to us. So, so what, a, what a cool reminder of how God organized his kingdom. Does God speak to us intimately and personally and directly? And my wife, Lynette, had a dream one night. It was about a woman who we haven't seen in about 10 years. She had moved away. So in the morning when she woke up, as is her habit, she began to pray for that woman. And as she was praying, she felt impressed by the Lord that she should call her and, and ask her questions. So she called and said, say, is there, is there anything that I've done that's offended you? Um, anything that you have against me? And the woman says, as a matter of fact, there is. <clears throat> so she shared it, and they talked it out and were reconciled through forgiveness, and that relationship was restored. And that is an example of how God can move among us to build us up and help us along. And you'll see today that prophecy is, is, a, is a fascinating topic for us to be talking about. It's rarely about predicting future events. It's more about God's presence and communication with us in a way that's personally edifying. The spirit of prophecy and the effects of prophecy are personal strengthening, helpful encouragement, and sometimes very intimate consolation and comfort. So we're continuing our series on the gifts of the Spirit, and we have already covered the gifts of faith, mercy, exhortation, leading, giving, serving. And today we will explain and equip and hopefully motivate us all to earnestly desire this wonderful gift God has given us. And we'll use a kind of a question and answer format as we go through it. Quick review. How do spiritual gifts fit into God's great plan for us? Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. The spiritual gifts are God's living presence in our community life together. These gifts build us up along the way and we together get to experience the exciting adventure of walking in the Spirit. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. That's what this is all about. So what are some reasons God gave the gifts to us and reasons that should awaken us to the role we can play in Christian community together. He gives us spiritual gifts to equip us to glorify God, to remind us of our dependence on one another, to build unity in His church, to edify His church individually and corporately, to reveal the living God to unbelievers, and you'll see more and more this last one, and to manifest God's presence in the body of Christ on earth. Well, what if you're visiting and you're not sure about all this? 
There are some who are reluctant to believe that we should pursue this gift or even hesitant to be open to God giving you a word for someone. Consider these quotes. And just to preview, just to preview this, hermeneutics is the theory and methodology of interpreting the original intent of scriptural passages. That's what hermeneutics is. John Piper says, I wonder how many of us have said for years that we are open to God's moving in spiritual gifts, but have been disobedient to this command to earnestly desire them, especially prophecy. I would ask all of us, are we so sure of our hermeneutical procedure for diminishing the gifts that we would risk walking in disobedience to a plain command of Scripture? Here's an example of one of those scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 through 40. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. John Deere, a graduate of a seminary that teaches that the gifts stopped with the passing of the apostles, which is another way of saying a cessationist, um, had an experience later about the gifts of the spirits that was profound and life-changing. And he, he describes that in his book, Surprised by the Spirit. He says, most Christians who claim to be cessationists are simply following views expressed by someone they respect. They have neither done a serious study of the word nor of church history. Want to know more? Get a copy of Surprised by the Spirit by Jack Deere or Understanding the Spiritual Gifts, a Comprehensive Guide by Sam Storms. Of all the spiritual gifts, why do you think God puts special emphasis on prophecy? Sam Storms answered our question like this, because Paul himself believed that it was uniquely beneficial to the spiritual growth and maturity of God's people. First Corinthians 14 passage that we've that we've had for today mentions three of the benefits. Paul pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. Other translations describe it as edification, exhortation, and comfort. But those three are not all the benefits. Note that this passage starts with pursue love. That comes right after 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter that says, if I have a gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, but do not have love, I have nothing. In other words, above all the gifts, love is central. We exercise these gifts out of love, the love that comes from God's care and love for us. Those of you who have received something from God, you know what I'm talking about. It stirs your soul that God Almighty, the master of the universe, knows you, cares about you personally, and is expressing his love for you. It's a wonderful, assuring, 
experience of his love in action that we feel. What is prophecy? Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology summarizes when he says, prophecy is the spontaneous, powerful working of the Holy Spirit, bringing things to mind, giving edification, encouragement, and comfort, which speaks directly to the needs of the moment and causes both the giver and the receiver to realize that truly God is among you. As a sidebar here, verse 20 of that chapter 14 says, Prophecy is for believers, and Grudem comments that prophecy also serves as a certain indication or sign that God is present and is at work in the congregation to bless us and cause us to grow. So prophecy is speaking what God has spontaneously revealed to you that in that moment it becomes a help or a comfort, a word that is timely and encouraging. There have been times in our Sunday morning gatherings when someone would have a prophetic word that was given to our congregation. There's been times uh, during men's meeting where we've had a word come forth, Uh, times during community group gatherings where there will be a word shared. Uh, there's even been word shared when two guys get together for a cup of coffee. We welcome the Holy Spirit wherever we are. There likely have been prophecies that you have already experienced and didn't even realize it. Hopefully, if that is the case, you will be encouraged to, and motivated to stir up the gift that is within you. Make it a rhythm of attentiveness to hear from the Holy Spirit. We already have a number in our body who have been operating in this gift for a while. Our aim is to encourage all of us to proactively seek this gift out of obedience to the Bible and love for others. You don't have to, quote, have the gift of prophecy to receive a word. Just walk in love care and concern for others, and be open to the possibility that God at times may spontaneously give, a, give you a word for someone. It may take different forms. That is, it could be a picture in your mind. It could be a scripture, an encouragement, a comfort, something edifying, an insight into a sin in a life a direction about what's ahead for someone, a word that would disclose the secrets of one's heart. Remember, we are not limited to reporting words to Christians only. You may have a word for an unbeliever that would cause them to repent and, find, and come to faith in Christ. What are some biblical guidelines about prophecy? Remember, prophecy is a human report of a spontaneous divine revelation. Yet, although we say divine, and that is from God, it is reported by humans and subject to imperfections. That is, what was heard, how it is applied, that that part can be fallible. In other words, there is a tension between two viewpoints. We don't want to quench the spirit. On the other hand, We want to make sure that what is being shared, we want to test it. 
We want to acknowledge the importance of assessing biblical validity of that word. And that is why Paul gives us instructions to evaluate and test prophetic revelations we receive, as explained in this quote from Wayne Grudem. We should understand prophecy correctly as something that God can use to bring things to our attention, but as something that nonetheless can contain human interpretation and mistakes. It must therefore be subject to Scripture and must be regulated and tested according to Paul's instructions to the church at Thessalonica. What he told them, do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophesying, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. When Paul says hold fast to what is good, he implies that prophecies contain some things that are good things and some things that are not good. So here are some guidelines. <clears throat> if a friend gives you a word, you can receive it with the perspective that it is something you can pray about and seek the Lord about. We should test what is given and hold on to what is good. That is good in the sense that it could be helpful. Unless you have explicit biblical warrant, don't tell a person what God's will is for their life. And when you get a word for someone, you may feel like you need to follow up with a life-changing instruction for them. But in most cases, just share what God has given to you and let them seek the Lord about it. And it could be that others may provide the interpretation and application for them. It is important that we remember how 1 Corinthians 12 explains how we don't own a gift, that gifts are given to to us by God. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. One and the same is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. How do we handle alleged prophetic words that need immediate correction? Let's say you're among friends and you hear from a man that my wife, she never cleans the house up. She never straightens things up. Our home's just terrible. And then her friend in that circle says, well, I have a sense in the Lord that you should divorce your wife. In a gentle, kind-hearted way, we would simply say something like, I appreciate your zeal and desire to be of help, but it is clear in God's word that a messy home is not grounds for divorce. So though what you sensed was intended to help, it is not of the Holy Spirit. Also, if something is shared that is weird or awkward, we can just say, Thank you for that word. Let's discuss that a little later. I'm not sure that's the direction the Spirit has taken us right now. Remember, if we hear a word that is confusing and or not helpful, be gentle with the correction. We are called to be alert, but not alarmed. Sam Storm said, we must remember that mistakes are made that are made in this gift do not disqualify people as being prophetically gifted. 
nor do they render prophecy unimportant to the church. We want to avoid exposing someone publicly to unwarranted public shame. Uh, during one of our men's meetings, we had a word of warning about a man and his marriage, but the word was general. <clears throat> In such situations, you can pray that the Holy Spirit brings conviction to that person. At other times, if you feel there is a serious moral danger involved, you can go to that person individually and privately. Also, there's no restriction on gender when it comes to prophecy. Both men and women can prophesy. 1 Corinthians 11.5 mentions every woman who prays or prophesies. Also in Acts 2.17, uh, which quotes the Old Testament Joel when he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Well, what are some examples of prophecies that we might hear? If you're praying for someone and you get an impression for him, let's say you are praying for someone, and you get an impression for him that the Lord is active in bringing about a solution to something that's troubling him, you tell him, and then you find out he was really down about something, that situation, and he really needed that word of encouragement to know that, that God knew what was going on in his life. Or you're, you're reading the scripture about old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. And you sense you should go to a sister and assure her that she is not defined by her past. When you share it with her, you find out someone had gossiped about her and her past, which caused her shame and embarrassment. But being reassured of that biblical truth was a timely and needed comfort to her and helped her come out of that. Or you're with a man who expresses a concern about his parenting skills, given recent situations in, in which his children were embarrassingly unruly. As he shares his anxiety and lack of confidence, about his fatherly role, a scripture comes to your mind. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You tell him you believe God has given a word for you, and you share that, that scripture with him. And as you share it, you begin to freely and clearly describe evidences of God's grace in his life that you've noticed. This dialogue encourages that man that God knows what's going on, in his life, and is loving him right now by bringing this timely truth to him. It edifies the Father. It gives him renewed hope and vigor for effective and godly parenting. Are today's prophecies different from what we see in the Old Testament? Generally, there are three categories. Old Testament prophecies are God's Word recorded. New Testament apostles spoke the very words of God. And today's New Testament prophetic giftings are revelatory promptings in which God is bringing things to our mind, our spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in contrast to the first two, revelatory promptings that we talked about, when we report such impressions, they are to be received as being delivered by a mere human and we can expect it to be partially infallibly reported. Such revelations could be a scripture, an image, a vision, 
a thought, an exhortation, a caution, comfort, an impression that God would bring to our mind. Please don't dismiss everything as, oh, that's just me. With time and experience, you will get better at knowing the difference. And what about a, <clears throat> excuse me, what about a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge? That's really um, only mentioned once in the Bible. Knowledge, think of Peter telling Ananias and Sapphira the, the motivation of their hearts. A gift of wisdom, think of Solomon settling the dispute as to who was the real mother of the remaining baby. These two gifts disclosing information that would otherwise be unattainable. They're only mentioned once, but Paul nor any other of the New Testament authors bothers to explain or define them. But please note, our inability, let's not get hung up with this, our inability to precisely identify or label a phenomenon does not alter what the Holy Spirit can accomplish through them. It kind of comes under the general category of the mysteries of the kingdom. We just need to get comfortable with that. Um, and this kind of labeling can be evidenced by Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. He was a cessationist, but he had many revelatory prophetic experiences that he called impressions of the Holy Spirit. In London, around 1880, <clears throat> the young man was asked, Do you know Mr. Spurgeon? Yes, the man replied. I have every reason to know him. I have been, I've been to hear him. And under his preaching by God's grace, I have become a new creature in Christ. Shall I tell you how it happened? I went to the music hall and took my seat in the middle of the place. Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he knew me. And in his sermon, pointed to me and told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays. And I did, sir. I should not have minded that, but he also said that I took nine pence the Sunday before and there was a fourpence profit in it. I did take the nine pence that day. The fourpence was just a profit, but how he should know that, I cannot tell. I, I, I couldn't tell. Then it struck me that it was God who had spoken to my soul through him. So I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first, I was afraid to go hear him again, lest he would tell all the people more about me. <laughs> but afterward, I went, and the Lord met me and saved my soul. John Bloom, co-founder of Desiring God Ministries, explains, <clears throat> like the young man experienced in Spurgeon's church that remarkable morning, God wants at times to reveal his intimate knowledge of us as individuals and our unique circumstances that we might experience his personal love for us, a love he infallibly revealed to all his children in Scripture. He wants our churches to exercise this gift so we and our brothers and sisters will be upbuilt encouraged, challenged, and consoled as we experience together the friendship of God through His Spirit. He wants us to prophesy because He loves us. 
How can we see the spiritual gift of prophecy? <clears throat> well, remember the general orientation regarding your desire to know your spiritual gift. Sam Storm says, instead of asking, what is my gift? Ask the question, who is in need? If God's people would look outward before they look inward, they would encounter the charismatic and empowering presence of the Spirit to equip them for every good work. It's an orientation to our lives, brothers and sisters. It's a different way of walking. <clears throat> Philippians 2.3 says, In humility, consider others more important than yourself. In a word, get your mind off yourself and on others. And you'll be on a path that may be more likely to include the gift of prophecy. If we would devote ourselves to praying, giving, <clears throat> helping, teaching, exhorting those around us, the likelihood greatly increases that we will walk headlong into our gift and we'll, stop, we'll start operating in it without even knowing what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. Get your heart right. It's not about being perceived as super spiritual. We humbly seek the gift of prophecy so that God will bring helpful things to our minds for others to encourage, edify, and build up. We earnestly seek the gifts for others. And, important, we must cultivate prophetic humility. We must always be open to the possibility, no matter how strongly we feel that we have a word for someone, that we may be wrong. If you get a word for a person and you can't make sense of it, ask others to pray with you about it. Give it time. Draw on your knowledge of God's word and its principles. And with others, see if God will show you the most Christ-honoring application of that word in that person's life. And here's a very important point to remember. It should be clear to us that no one who receives a spiritual gift receives it in its fully mature form. Everyone grows in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We all repetitively practice the gifts we receive from the Spirit in order to grow in our effective use of them. Prophecy is no different in that respect. Growing in the grace of this gift is a process, so don't be encouraged along the way. One way to begin and explore your receptivity to revelation is during your personal quiet time with the Lord. Start your uh, personal time with the Lord, or closet time, as some call it. Start that by asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with His presence and open the eyes of your understanding. After all, the Holy Spirit is called the helper who guides us into all truth. Learning and experiencing God's still, quiet voice can be developed through journaling and listening to words for yourself, which can then lead to hearing prophetic words for others. With expectant faith, that's an important phrase, with expectant faith, you can tune in your spiritual ears toward God. Sometimes while you're reading the Word, a certain scripture will stand out to you, just kind of jump off the page, as some people say. Take note of that, because 
It may be for someone that God brings to your mind later. In the Spirit, I think the Lord does that sometimes with me. He'll bring in different things with different vehicles and formats, but the message is consistent. And many times it's for someone for their benefit. <clears throat> when I journal, I have this little acronym. Uh, basically says, uh, asking the Lord, what would you say to me today? And then I listen in a quiet place, and I begin to write down what I believe I hear. Sometimes I write out a specific question and then write down my thoughts or scriptures that come to mind. Or that, in my experience, it could be from me or someone else. You can also think of people in your circle of friends and family and go through them as you, one by one, and you may get an impression or a thought or scripture for them as well. After all, Jesus does say, my sheep hear my voice. Can somebody say amen to that? The Lord speaks to us directly. It doesn't mean we're not threatening the, uh, the loyalty that we have toward the Bible and the, the infallible scriptures. We're not threatening that at all. But God can speak to us in a way that's very helpful for his body. He designed it to be that way. So, when you first begin to receive prophetic revelations, it is a new and different experience. It may be a little scary because you might fear, quote, missing the Lord and reporting something that you just, the response is just blank stares. But you know, you never know. In the mysteries of the kingdom, I could give Lucas a word and he says, you kidding me? But then the next week, Lucas will say, man, that was the Lord. It could happen that way. So please don't be afraid to step out and give someone a word. If your heart is right out of love for people and obedience to scriptures, to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, step out. Be a full gospel Trinitarian. If you're a little afraid to deliver a word because it might be incorrect or it's, uh, you think it might be from you and not from God, the way you intro giving that gift can reduce the anxiety that you may have at that time. Uh, practice prophetic humility. You don't want to start with something that says, thus says the Lord, and point to somebody or uh, God is saying that you should, or anything that starts out with God says, avoid that. <clears throat> Instead, what you can say is, uh, as I was praying, I got the impression that, or I could be wrong, but I, I believe I've received a word for you. How about I share it with you, and then you seek the Lord about it? Or, I'm not sure if this is me or the Lord, but would you please pray about this and see if it's from Him? Sometimes, instead of the specific words, the believer will receive um, a kind of a sense, a vague sense of what it's about. If you receive something like that, that's not the time to speak it. But you might want to give God time to reveal to you what it's for, who it's for, and what it means. 
And there may be some impressions or thoughts that come to us that, that we're not to speak. We may just be called to pray about it. If you remember, Pastor Ryan was having uh, a recurring dream over the period of about a week. Kayla and his wife received what she felt like was the interpretation of that dream, but she didn't tell him right away. She waited. Sure enough, uh, at the end of that week, Ryan, after a couple of days of thinking, pray about it, he came to her and said, I believe I understand what that dream meant. And she was able to affirm him by saying the Lord has shown her the same thing. And they both felt the presence and comfort, edification and support of the Lord. That's a good example right there in our own, our own body. So, if you think the Spirit may have given you specific revelatory information regarding someone else, especially if it is a directive or a rebuke or a negative word about them or someone in their life, you should run it by one of your pastors and test it, as the Word says. And if you want to tune up your spiritual antennas, Stay close to God through a meditative life rhythm in reading His Word and praying. And as the Word says in Proverbs 3, 6, develop a rhythm of life that is acknowledging the Lord in all your ways. There is a certain, if you've ever read that old book, uh, Practicing His Presence, the whole book is about living a life where you can go about your duties and your work and your responsibilities, but you're still connected spiritually to the Lord. You're not far away. In closing, 1 Corinthians 14 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The spiritual gifts are God's gift to us for our benefit. It is a supernatural experience. Walking in the Spirit is seeking to tune into God and be a conduit for what He may want to do through you. Prophecy is a manifestation of God's presence among us. It is like a spiritual adventure of being part of what the Creator of the universe is doing in our midst. That is pretty heavy and pretty cool, the more you think about it. We experience the wonder that God Almighty knows us personally and is expressing His love through us. This wonder is expressed in Psalms 8.3. I love this verse. When I consider that your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? human beings, that you care for them. Through this gift of prophecy, the word, the giver of the word, and the receiver of that word, both experience the joy of God's presence. Listen to how Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says it. The Spirit makes the heart of Christ real to us. Not just heard, but seen. Not just seen, but felt. 
not just felt, but enjoyed. The Spirit takes what we read in the Bible and what we believe on paper about Jesus' heart and moves it from theory to reality, from doctrine to experience. It's one thing as a child to be told your father loves you, to hear he loves you, but it's another thing to feel his love. This is the glorious work of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, King of kings, Almighty God, Lord of heaven and earth, we honor your holy name. We declare with Peter, Lord, there is no one else that we can go to. Your words give eternal life. We look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. And we want your ways to be our ways. Lord, shed your love abroad in our hearts for others. Give us an openness, moreover, an earnest desire to seek and practice the spiritual gift of prophecy out of humility and love for others as we run hard toward the joy-filled adventure of following your ways. Holy Spirit, be among us. Be in us. Let us experience expressions of your love moving in our midst. So in the days ahead, with expectant faith, we look forward to experiencing your counsel and your care and your comfort through your presence working among us. And we will give you all the glory for what's ahead. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our wonderful Counselor, amen.